I'm delighted to be speaking to Martin Anderson today from Lemon Business Solutions. Lemon Business Solutions are one of the premier outsourcing companies in the Northeast. Martin, tell me about outsourcing, please. Well, it's, it's a big subject, really, isn't it? There's a lot, there's a lot going on. So essentially, the, the very base of outsourcing is we take a process or, or a service that a company does and they outsource it to us. So they give that process a service for us to complete for them. And that frees up time uh, and efficiency for them to, to concentrate on maybe their core work. So typically outsourcing might include a back office function or core management, maybe reception, that kind of thing. And it allows us to, to do the, the expertise of that while they focus on maybe their core part of their business. Okay, so a, a company which is getting lots of inbound sales calls, you can take over those inbound sales calls on their behalf, but answering as if you were actually within that company and sitting in their, in their buildings. Is that how it works? Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. So it can be inbound sales calls, reception calls, fault help desk, anything really. You probably actually find a lot of times when you actually speak to, to another company, you're probably speaking to an outsourcer one way or the other. There's so, much, uh, so many companies out there that use third parties to provide a service. And we just do act as if we are them. And essentially, our team put on their hats when, when they answer their calls. We answer in their trading names. We follow their processes, their scripts, use their systems. We, 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 we engage with their ethos with our, with our team. So we are essentially part of them when we're, when we're working on the contract. So you would have that information and your team would be almost like a receptionist. They take the information uh analyze who they need to speak to in the organization they would forward the call to the the relevant company yeah that could be that could be sort of a simple switchboard service exactly that take the call in and then transfer through to someone but then it can go to sort of the other degree and where you start adding a lot of value regarding maybe as you say a fault finding kind of service where maybe you've got a, a small engineering company they want to want a party to do maybe some sort of first line fault finding to how do they help customers maybe fix a problem remotely uh, and do that kind of thing so our team can go into that kind of processes you know diagnostics all kind of things really there's all different levels to, to what can be outsourced and it's just a matter of applying the people and the process to it really so yeah the, the, there's any system and any process that a business done does can be outsourced so what sort of other um back office tasks would you undertake generally what would be a, a common common thing for you to do a lot of it can be around um, sort of fault finding, uh, managing yeah. that reception services as well. As you said, sales support, providing, making sure that any sales calls are coming in and be answered, working on maybe CRMs, you know, like Salesforce or the typical ones out there. We do outbound campaigns as well. That can be sort of marketing, some sort of lead generation as well. Yeah, it's just so varied. You know, you can take um, processes from HR, from finance, from operations departments, anything really, because sometimes these processes are very necessary for the business to operate, but the, the management team or directors might be sat there going, I, I, we don't need our core team who've got maybe skills that can be added more to the front line and more value internally to be doing that process. We can pick that process up, give it to a third party, a BPO like Lemon. They can complete that task for us you know, we'll, we'll be charged either per minute or, or per hour, depending on what it might be. And it works out cheaper and more cost effective than doing that than having, you know, these really core staff to us who could be supporting the front line, whatever it, whatever it might be. So an example might be an engineering company, lots of engineers doing stuff, plumbers, electricians, whatever. You don't want them guys having to be doing more work in the office. They won't be out doing the, the actual front line work, really. Yeah, so it strikes me at the moment, I'm um, obviously in the middle of the, the pandemic at the moment, that people have got used to remote working. 
lots of company directors are actually going to think, hey, this can actually really, really work for us going going forward. We don't need to have someone in the office who is, is you know, perhaps not active on a full daily basis. Um, they're, they're almost working part time, waiting for the phone to, to ring. We can have you working just when you actually need to work. You know what? Two points there that you raise that are really, really valid. Firstly, um, efficiency levels. When you outsource, often you can get up to 100% efficiency. Because if you're paying for someone to do something and they're being timed by literally by the second or by the millisecond, you're paying for that productivity. If you're going to employ someone in your office, for best will in the world, even if they're a really hard worker, there's downtime, they've got to you know, have comfort breaks, they're going to get a cup of tea, they're going to chat because it's natural. So you're going to have less than optimum efficiency because we're not robots, it's completely understandable. But when you outsource it, you're getting that really high efficiency level. And that's where the real sort of big cost efficiencies come into it as well. But the other point you made, which, which, which is fascinating, and I would say has been an unexpected kind of turn as many things have happened from you know 2020 and the pandemic. The fact that the general sort of business psyche now, it's happy for people to work remotely. I mean, obviously a lot of people are doing it by sending their own staff home, but, but but in the past, you know, everyone had to be in this very tight, almost draconian office environment. So you have that kind of that kind of connection. And we realize we send people home. And you know, from my own business perspective, I've got people now actually working more efficiently and better output from working from home, which I never saw coming. But other businesses are seeing that now. And I've actually noted, um, there was a stat that came out that way this morning, I think it was 31 or 32% of, of, of businesses now are looking at outsourcing further in 2021, because they can see if we can grow our business, we can outsource and give this in, give these processes to specialist, specialist teams. But not only that, it's some of the risks that come in with the disparate workforce, where you've got people, everyone working from home, you can start, if, if, it's, a, if it's a process that needs controls to some extent by giving it a business process outsource so they'll have the security data protection controls in place as well so you're making sure you're not losing any of that important um, risk uh, that could be imposed by having disparate workforce and then what sort of i, I think sometimes can be quite uh, uh, scary or not, not scary but a small business might think i'm too small to actually approach someone like yourself but I mean, you mentioned plumbers earlier on. A plumber might be there working; they can't be answering the phone. Do you mm. work with sort of sole traders, just by literally a sole trader, and, and looking after their um, inbound calls? Yeah, absolutely. Have sole traders, two-man bands. There's a, there's a great example of, of a, a lift company, an engineering company, uh, down based down in London. And uh, I met the guys. Actually, in the first meeting was in King's Cross. The two directors they'd left a, a much bigger company and set up their own business. So I went down there, uh, just met. Um, on, uh, by a restaurant of the platform and had a chat with them, set the service up and uh, they took it on board and them guys are flying now and where they're still there for them because they've, they've, they've started that part of the business out. This was providing call management essentially to them. They knew that they now always had someone that answer every single call quickly and professionally because their front end and back office but also 24-7 what we provided because being in that game they, they need to be on call as you mentioned 24 hours a day and it allowed them um, to, to focus on growing the business. And the two clever guys, and that's exactly what they did. They went off one contract of the contract of the contract, and then we just backed them up and grew uh, and scaled it up with them. And it allowed them to do that. But, you know, I, I can think of my own um, sort of career path. And I remember times when we were very small and um, you, you miss one call, just one call, that call may be the call. And, you know, we had a contract with a, 
a large national. It's generated millions and millions for us all, over the year. But I still remember taking that call. If I'd missed it, it would have gone to someone else. And that's the importance of it. It's, it's, it's not expensive to outsource. In fact, it's cheap when you think of what you could be losing. Absolutely. I see it all the time when people I won't, won't take this call. I have a, a, a friend who's now in a senior position in the corporate. Um, he's CEO of a big company. But, you know, we used to go out on a Friday night in our mid-20s and I'd be there sitting by myself in the pub because he was taking a business call. Yeah. Because his company worked globally. And I'd sit yeah. there literally for an hour and a half while he was doing a, a deal or negotiating. And, yeah. you know, and he was on the, on the shop floor then, but now he's, um, he's CEO. You know, yeah. it's, it's what you've got to do because that call could have been huge. Yeah, um, and you, you mentioned you don't have to put the pressure on yourself by using an outsourced company. You don't have to answer the phone 24-7. You can use it. Gwen, it can just help you scale. It's, yeah, we're a 24-7 world, aren't we? I don't think we can get away from it. And, and what about, um, do you answer emails as well? Are they directed to you from sort of general um, accounts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, it's another really, really interesting point. I mean, traditionally, you know, back in the day, we were, doing, we were doing voice and fax when I kind of first started up. Fax, thankfully, is gone now. But then emails obviously came in quickly after. And an email, exactly the same thing. You know, for us, it's just like another way of communication. The email comes in, we can handle it. It may trigger trigger an action or a process to follow um, or, or replying directly to the email and doing the customer service support. But that's also evolving now, you know, with technologies, hit to use buzzwords, but omni-channel and sort of blended um, communications it, it is really the thing now. So you've got your, you know, you've got your voice, you've got your, your email, you've got your messaging apps, which is the biggest thing, your WhatsApp, your Facebook Messenger, your, your usual sort of SMS and text, you know, these, and web chat as well, of course. Yeah. These are things which, for, for one of them, from, a, from our perspective as an outsourcing company, they're all exactly the same. When they come into us now, they come into one platform, the operator can uh, engage with the, with the consumer on one, uh, on one place. And yeah, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely the thing. Sadly, voice is still king, but yeah. you know, the other one's catching up. Yeah, and I was also another thing where personal experience. So I, I've hired a, a PA in the past. I've a you know a little book publishing company, but the amount of emails we had him with, you know, annoying, silly questions, where the information is actually all on the all on the website. You know, this is the size of the book. This is what it costs. Everything, and oh, email after email asking things. And I actually, I, I did actually lose the ability to be polite. <laughs> how much I wanted to and I thought actually no I've got to hire a PA so she'd come in only sort of three or four hours a day um, and she did other things as well in the end she was absolutely amazing um, but uh, someone like yourself we're in a great company to out outsource to and just deal with all that um, for me instead of having someone on the on, on the payroll um, so there's sort of many opportunities to do that well, obviously it's going to depend on the size of any um, organization but generally for a small business you're taking inbound calls what is the sort of the, the lead time maybe the setup time to learn their processes and their philosophies in their systems yeah we average about four weeks to get a customer off the ground um depending on the complexity if we have it don't get me wrong we set them up within within 48 hours for we did a particular covid support line for for local government and that was done within sort of I think it was in 48 hours but generally four weeks because it's important I mean you're touching it there with kind of the the, the PA story and it's a great example of kind of a customer service support in many ways but it's important that we transfer knowledge and that's one of the things um for Lemon you know how we, how we approach our business we, we were not highly script driven for me we like our operators and our team 
to know about the business, know the ethos, why you're there, what you do, what it is. Why, why are they asking these questions, not just asking it from a list of questions? You know, what, what is it about the business? What we're trying to achieve together? So we spend a bit of that time sort of transferring that knowledge across. But what you also mentioned there was a great point about those kind of, I suppose, what we class FAQs, really, that kind of you know, typical questions that you'll be battered back and forth. And we as a business have developed um, knowledge base um, uh, databases that we can use to, to pick that knowledge up, put it into a database and give it to the operator right on the front line. So, you know, we can update that, keep it regularly active with anything that's changing the business and just empower them to actually to, to, to essentially provide an excellent level of customer service to, to, to the end uh, person's contact in the business. Yeah, I, mean, so I think I should point out to the, the, the viewers and the listeners as well, the, the size of your operation, you actually handle about, is it 2 million calls a year? Yeah, 2 million, that, that's voice calls, yeah, and there's emails and all that on top of that, so it, it's, it's pretty active, yeah. So in terms of your growth as a company, obviously you've had to expand and hire staff, um, perhaps in a, a rapid uh, scale to actually accommodate getting new clients on board. Um, how hard is it for you to develop? When you first, I imagine now you have an HR department to look after your, your, your staff. But when you first started out, I mean, what sort of mistakes were you making in, in, in HR or were you um, pretty proficient? <laughs> Oh, I made lots of mistakes. <laughs> yeah, so same here. This is the, this is what I find intriguing because we don't know what we don't know, and a no. hire is going to be a very expensive investment in terms of time and money. And uh, do you have any advice on what people can can do when they're looking at hiring their their first, you know, one, two, three members of staff? Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, my biggest thing is don't beat yourself. Don't beat yourself up about it. You're going to make mistakes. We used to go on a ratio of if we want a person, we we probably have to employ three. And then you'll land the one that's right. And that's no one's fault. That's not your fault. That's not the employee's fault. And that's not the position. Sometimes people don't know until they try. Same in, in a job, really. Um, but it's getting to, for me, and I know this is probably talked about many times before, but it's getting to know the person from, a, you know, their, it's not their technical ability. It's what their mindset is, really. You know, what, what, what do they bring from an emotional perspective to the business? Do they, do they link in with you about what your short, medium, long-term goals are? Do you understand where you're wanting to go, what you want to achieve, and what it might involve? Depending where you are as a business, if, if it's right at the beginning, you, you know, all of you are going to be doing lots of things that kind of aren't on the job. You're not on a list of jobs, tasks. It's, you're going to be doing everything from making the tea to, you know, to, to cleaning the toilets, to doing the actual work. You, you do everything from day one. And as it develops, that, that refines a bit. But, um, you know, at early days, I've used recruitment agencies. You know, today we do it in-house. I've, you know, I've done recruitment, you know, tried myself. But it's, it's just getting to know that person. Don't worry too much about the technical side because you can teach that if they're proficient. It's about behaviours, really. Um, as long as they've got some of the core aspects that you need, then then go with behaviours because if they've got the right behaviour and you invest in people and give people time, then you know some of my best employees now are people. Maybe if I think back 10, 15 years ago, I was thinking they're not going to be here very long, and now you know now they're the 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 lieutenants in the team who know you inside out, know the business, and are committed because you've committed to them. It's a, you know it's not just one way. You just answered my next question because by investing in the people and showing interest in them, then surely, because I think in a call centre tradition, it may be a little bit of a transient job for perhaps graduates before they went on to do something or other. But um, if you invested into them, then they become, the, the churn is a lot, lot, lot lower. They become invested into you. And 
what else do you do to retain your your, your staff do you have any particular schemes which you work particularly well over the years or are you just wonderful nice people and everyone just loves working with you well well i mean again two really good points i have a i had um a, a, a virtual call a tender quite a big tender we were in with the big companies the other day and um their commercial director was talking to me and he asked a very similar question so he said martin you're in the contact center you know what's what's your turnover of staff like what what's what's the actual number and embarrassingly so i said you know what i can't give you the figure off the top of my head i just i just don't know and and, and where i'm thinking oh god I've, I've made a mistake here. i don't have the stat for him he turned around to me and said i'm very glad you said that because if you did know it mean it was an important thing to you but from everything you said now i know that your staff retention isn't a problem you haven't got the stat there you've answered every other stat perfectly so that means for you it's not so ironically i turned out to win so i've played to that um but as far as sort of staff Staffing general is concerned, it's just, you know, we've tried things in the past, some of the sort of gimmicky things that kind of go around and become the new fashion sort of that people do, but it comes down to, it comes down to treating people well. And um, there's always, I was speaking to an ex, uh, a guy who was in, in the army once, he, was, he came and did some work on site for us. And I remember um, he told me, just think of everyone, like they've got MMFI tattooed on the forehead. And that's make me feel important. If you treat everyone with that kind of respect and importance, and when you're in the room, this is, you know, employees, customers, prospects, whatever, at that point in time, they are the most important people to you. And I think you treat everyone with that respect and genuine respect, generally care for people. You know, gimmicky stuff is a brother thing. It comes and goes and get it from anywhere. Just genuine care for people. And ultimately, you know, the more I care for my staff, the more we look after them, um, you know, at that kind of personal level, the harder they work It's uh, 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 and the better service we provide. So, you know, well, I think the more you give, the more you get back, isn't it? It's that adage. Yeah. I think that's a really good, good analogy, actually. And um, I, I always, I'm, I'm going to adopt what you, is it MMFI? MMFI, yeah. yeah. It's not mine, I can't, I can't claim it, I was told it, but yeah, make me feel important. Makes, yeah, because I always used to say, you know, um, be a dog. You know, because when do you ever meet a dog who's not happy to see you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever it comes in, it's wagging its tail, you know. <laughs> and yeah. you know, it's love, isn't it? You know, and if you can adopt that, you know, really nice to see your customers. Because so many times you go somewhere and it's, oh, God, it's a damn customer. What a drag. I'm mm -hmm. trying to do this. I'm trying to do that, you know. And you can just lose sight of it. And yeah, everyone, I used to work in a, a Michelin starred restaurant, you know, many years ago in the 90s. And yeah, customers are so vitally important. I think it was a core skill that, you know, people who worked in a, in a restaurant or a hotel, they know how to make people feel important. Yeah. I can hear the dogs now going off. Um, <laughs> I'm a victim of COVID. <laughs> working, from, working from home here, door outside. You no, know, it's, it's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely critical. You know, that customer service ability, that natural, and you know, it's funny sort of different careers kind of almost train naturally so like a, a hairdresser uh, or a barber's some of them you know guys and girls they have the best sort of customer service and that's for me how a lot of businesses done you know i've been to you know hospitality like you mentioned there i remember staying at a really nice hotel uh, up in edinburgh um, by the castle and um going in there and you know film stars pop stars stay there and i remember uh, the guy in the concierge uh, it was when I was younger, you know, nothing, certainly nothing to show for myself. It was just kind of a, a couple of nights with, with my girlfriend at the time. 
And he said, I don't care whether you're the candlestick maker, the butcher, the baker, or a rock star, you get treated exactly the same. Yeah. And he did. And it was awesome. You know, I, and that, that, them kind of learnings that you sort of get in your life as you get older and get a few gray hairs sort of stay with you and you understand that. But just to touch on the point you mentioned there um, about sort of, you know, having to deal with people day to day, because, you know, especially last year, we get, we get run down, you know, we have bad days, you know, whatever personal things, you know, as you've got, when you could go in the office, you went in the office or whatever it might be. One of the things that uh, I learned as um, part sort of a business coaching and things, the ability to, to, to set a mindset. So before you go into a meeting, before you go into a presentation or do a video call, you just need to give yourself three seconds to put that yourself into a different place. You can use sub-personalities and give that person a different name, but go, right, I'm now going to be this person when I walk through the door. It's like that old kind of, uh, that old pop thing used to be on. Yeah, I'm going to be this person, walk through the door and present in this way and be the person I want to be. Not that I'm annoyed because I'm flustered, I've got that going on. This person and that time you're in your meeting, that's who you are. When you walk back out, be miserable again and yeah. frustrated because you've got to do invoicing. But that moment in time, just be that person and set yeah, yourself you're, up. You're almost being an actor. And I can remember I've had to, um, uh, I suppose it was cold calling. I used to do wedding photography once upon a time. And I, I had a very nice job in London and well, very well paid. I didn't like it. I said, I'm, I'm, just, I'm leaving, you know, gave the notice in. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I decided my, I photographed my friend's wedding. I was going to be a wedding photographer overnight. I didn't know anything about it, really. Um, but long story short, I went to a wedding show. And also, I couldn't go to a wedding show, but I got a database of all the brides and grooms who'd been to the wedding show. And everyone, you know, was there, would be there, you know, emailing them. Hi, you know, sorry to have missed you. Can I come and introduce you? Um, but I thought, actually, no, everyone's doing that. I've, I've, I've got to phone them. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't like cold calling. You know, absolutely hate it. But actually, it's something which has got to be done. It's about their wedding. You know, why would they not want to talk about their wedding? And it's mm -hmm. a very simple call. It's like, yeah, hi. Is that, um, you know, is, is that um, whatever the name may be? I know, sorry I missed you at the wedding show. I'm just wondering if you'd booked a wedding photographer yet. You know, and what bride doesn't want to talk about their wedding all the time? <laughs> it's another opportunity, right? Yeah, and then exactly. I booked 60 weddings in my first year. Yeah. You know, most people would do five or six. Yeah. At the time. Short, and I had to put myself in that mindset, literally sit down, not I mean, a little bit of courage as well, but yeah, I'm going to be an actor. I'm pretending I'm being filmed for a show here and I'm just going to do this and see yeah. what we can what we can do. So absolutely. You know that's that's the secret a lot to, to success. I think you see it, um, you know, if you reprint your books or biographies, whether, whether whether you're a rock star, pop star, Beyonce, whatever, when they go on that stage and when you go into a business meeting or stand in front of a stage of people talking, you can be whoever you want to be. The per you can leave the nervous person aside because we're all nervous and think right today, I'm going to be the really confident person, act that out and just be someone else. And it sounds... It sounds insincere, maybe, and it's cardboard, but it's 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 really not. You're just being a person within you who you're allowing yourself to be, who maybe your inhibitions might have kept back, and it's just an extension of you. And that is ultimately, you know, how a lot of these people will stand up there and have that kind of success. And exactly that, right down from, you know, being on a phone and doing cold calling to standing up in front of audiences. It's 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 a it's a key skill to get your to get your mind around. I think.
Yeah. One question, um, I've got some random questions going through my mind, which generally happens with, with, with me. But obviously with a company which is expanding, such as your, yourself, who's been established, how do you go about your business premises in terms of expanding and signing a new lease? Because you just don't know, because you, you could do a, a massive deal the, the, the following week, couldn't you? And have to employ another 30 or 40 staff. So how do you manage your, your, your business premises or how have you done that in the past? I guess that question would be different now. It would have been a year ago, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, very true. Yeah, I mean, uh, historically, it would have been uh, working the, the, the lease around the contract as well and taking relevant risk. Um, I'm a big believer, one of the biggest things is, is about risk management, understanding risk within the business and, and putting controls and uh, mitigating risk as much as possible. So it'd be looking, you know, always look at the detail of, of, of the lease. And the only advice I would give on that, and maybe that's from, from experience, that, that when you look at a lease, look at it yourself as well, you know, get, get a look at it, but read it through yourself and understand it. You, you may not know every technical term. If you don't know, ask the solicitor, because I've had leases where I've read it and I've raised things and there's been mistakes on there. And that's not just one particular, you know, di multiple different um solicitors and firms it's very very important to read the detail yourself just to get a basic understanding of what's going on exit clause and things like that and then it's a little bit it's a little bit leap, leap of faith isn't it as well you know when you take your first employee your first premise you kind of grit your teeth and jump but there's a there's an adage, adage that i think um is really important you know you know you should always <laughs> the simon sinek said about sort of um leader the last and all that kind of thing but actually there's another Another side of that, where really you should sometimes pay yourself first, or take this, or take these things on, because once you've done that, and then you know you've got bills and people to pay afterwards, you will make sure it happens. It's not a selfish thing; it actually puts you dry. So when you get a, when you get a new lease, um, because of the contract, once you've got that cost to your business, or how I've found is, you will make damn sure that you 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 make sure you get the contracts and the additional service in to cover it. It's a driver fee more than anything. Yeah, I remember reading in a, a book. I think it was the uh, the guy who set up um, Harley Har Hargreaves Lansdowne, the um, you know uh, stockbrokers. I'm mm -hmm. sure they took on a massive premises, but he actually he boarded up a third of it, and everyone thought they were at absolutely capacity because he yeah. just showed we don't need all this space. We can work in this environment. Then he opened it up um and as they as as they grew which I thought was um quite a clever thing to do. So I think you can like me, I can encroach in any space anywhere and say that I need it. And actually, I, I, I don't. I probably could work in quite a confined um, space. And, and in your job, and you must, how do you embrace technology? Because obviously with VoIP and various other uh, sort of protocols, it must be something that's constantly changing um, with you. Is technology something you, you look at regularly? You'll just keep abreast of it generally? And how often do you invest in technology? Yeah, we keep, I mean, we keep on top of it uh, as a business, but trends, what you tend to find is things appear um, and they're going to be the next biggest thing, but but generally they just they do take a lot of time. Use VoIP, for example, there, it's been around for, for decades and I remember having conversations 10, 15 years ago, how we've got to be prepared for this. And even now it's only really probably starting to come mainstream in the last few years. So you've got to have an eye on it, but, you know, you don't have to be necessarily right at the front and see, see it develop and then bleed it into your business but for a technology perspective you know i always quote for how we use it is it uh, we, we use technology to assist us but we don't hide behind it 
And it's very important from sort of an outsourcing company in a contact center, goes back to that not being fully script driven. I don't want someone sat there just, just looking at a script and answering questions, having no clue why or what they're asking really, and just want to get off the call or get home or whatever it might be. I want everyone to sort of be empowered to understand what they're doing while they're doing it. And, you know, give a bit more sense of responsibility to, to help the person they're speaking to. And that's something very much at the core of Lemon, you know, we like to solve problems and I think you've got to be like that. So it doesn't matter if you're solving sort of a strategy problem with a business or developing customer journeys and experiences and flowcharts, or you're answering the phone to someone because that person's got an issue there and then and you're helping them. That's the right way through. Back here with our, um, our members, and we spoke before we um, press record on, on, the, on this interview, um, really about the difference between family companies and entrepreneurs and their willingness to outsource. Perhaps you could just elaborate on that a little bit, um, a little bit more. Yeah, it's difficult, especially, you know, things have changed a lot in last year with the pandemic, and it's kind of opened people's mindset. But what you'll tend to find is when businesses start, they're very protective of, of the business, and quite rightly so, you know, it, it's their baby and it means a lot to them. Um, and they'll, they'll employ staff and they'll keep things very, very close, close to the chest. But the problem occurs once the business starts to scale up um, and either it will mean the business can't and almost have to keep a small business, which is you know great. A lot of people want lifestyle businesses and it really suits what they want to do. But if you want to get bigger and you want to scale up and increase revenue and grow the business, you know, purely out of the fact that that's, you know, that's your aim in life, you know, you want to, you want to enjoy that kind of growth and making something from, from essentially nothing at the beginning. And you've got to learn to sort of delegate and allow processes and systems to be let go. Now, delegation will sometimes be internally, obviously, to your teams. But part of that really is is looking for companies to partner with, such as a, a BPO like, like Lemon, who can assist you with, with your growth strategies. Because also, when you get into it and, and, and you get you allow that kind of freedom, you can scale really flexibly as well. You can lean on them for additional resource, particular project contracts, and then lean back in when when it maybe doesn't isn't needed. And it just allows that growth without you sort of having to take on all that burden yourself, or even you know even worse, be running around like a headless chicken twenty four seven trying to do everything literally yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you also you you mentioned you know, about you know people letting go. But it's almost like letting, not letting your children go out when they're you know eighteen, nineteen, because you're scared something might happen to them. You just mm. got to let them go, and people are going to make their mistakes. They will learn from them, and they're not going to um, not going to repeat them. Yeah, um, it, it, it's it's that. It's about being nice to you know about about building a team, empowering them backing them, you know, being, you know, emotionally connected so they understand how much you appreciate them, uh, be, be, be grateful of what they do for you. And I often say to my team in the weekly calls, you know, I'm just so, and this is genuine because, you know, this is not me just kind of building them up. I'm so grateful every, every day and every week, what, how committed they are, you know, to, to my company, to Lemon and, and, and our customers as well. Um, and it's, giving them that ability to make mistakes and risk and learn. You know, you try to say, well, this is how I used to do it. You take it on board and you know what? I tell you what, you suddenly realise you were doing it a certain way, but when you start getting all these people involved, there's lots better ways of doing it. Actually, your way might not have been the best. You, know, you can add value, but suddenly these people have all got golden nuggets. Like, where did that come from? Yeah. And then it comes from there. If you don't mind me asking, you've grown the company to uh, approximately 80 members of staff now. 
did you go about growing the company organically through your own um, organic growth in banks or did you look for outside um, funding through VCs at any point or, or other investments? No, it has been has been organic growth really from day one. Obviously, um, in the early days, we took some sort of personal loans and things to get the business up and running. But we haven't, as a business, gone outside to sort of VCs and things like that. And um, I don't think it's a cost we'll take at the moment in time as a business, uh, really, because we've got a good growth strategy going on in the next 10 years and we can properly self-fund it. And it's important for any business as part of that to be, to be cash cash rich and have that you know we've learned these lessons in the last six months 12 months haven't we you've got to have that money in the bank really be self-sufficient and i think um borrowing wouldn't might have put us at risk and i'm glad we haven't to, to this date yeah. and nothing i felt was very um striking i i absolutely love your website i see tons of websites yeah you know, as we all do but i thought yours particularly stood out in and it spoke to me that a lot of thought process has actually gone into that um, I thought the design language was uh, particularly nice. Um, just talk about the process of creating your, your website, because it's not a case of just taking it to an agency and letting them do it. I think you've had a, a good connection with that, that agency or developer to, to do that. How much time did you invest into your website? A lot. <laughs> Enjoyed. It is. You know, I've, I've done, even the last last year, you know, I've um, landed a whole new omni-channel sort of telephony platform, which is a huge, a huge challenge in itself and and, and delivered a new website, actually. The website only went live last year, the, the new one. So thank you for your, for your kind comments about it. it, it there's a lot of thought um, going into the website. Every detail down to the wording, the tone of voice, the language, how we can be concise with what we're trying to say. Um, the imagery that's used in there uh, and using the right, you know, agency to, to do that is critically important. And it's got to be, you know, it starts with the vision and the mission and the values of the company uh, and, and then the building blocks of the business. And that goes into the website because the website is the portal into our world and it allows companies, prospects to go on there and really see if they connect with us on that level. Because we want to work with people who who have the same ethos and beliefs as us that, that's who we want to partner with if people don't then no problem we just probably not best off working together so we want yeah. to find people and use our website to, to find people we connect with in that way and build really strong long-term partnerships for mutual benefits really and you know and, and people we enjoy working with because you know we're, we're going to spend a lot of time together and how much time do you spend on, on the technical seo aspects so obviously you can have the most amazing website but if no one sees it it's pretty pointless so i imagine that was also quite a critical factor that you got the the seo um, completely right yeah i mean seo is a big thing ppc for sort of like the google adwords campaigns there's no point in having a lovely shiny car and keeping it in the garages so you've got to get them them things right and, and all i would say a bit like the kind of you know conversation we've had so far is find experts in this field because you know, I'm talking about outsourcing for, for a BPO, for, for a lemon perspective. And but, but when you find guys who are really good out there and, and really good and you connect with them the right level, who, who understand your business and what you're going to do, they're the ones that will propel you forward. And, you know, the, the money that you spend on it is not a waste. It is money it is money well spent to allow your business to grow. And that's kind of one of the takeaways I've probably had from the last sort of 20 years in businesses. You know, as we said, not trying to do everything yourself, but find people who you can team up with who are experts and will do things and allow you to, to move fast, really, and move forward and expand.
Yeah, that, that, I absolutely agree. And I think that's actually a, a, a fine point to, to end on and people to muse on because we, as a small business, we look at the expenditure of hiring, hiring an expert and think, oh, it's just too much. But actually, that's what's holding us back. And we can have people on a consultancy basis. And yes, it might cost, you know, a few hundred, a few thousand. The results that can bring you can be absolutely vast. So, you know, completely worthwhile. Um, I've certainly learned, you know, speaking from, from, from you, it's been you know, some, some fantastic knowledge. So thank you very much, Martin. I'll put all your contact details um, down below in the description list and also online. But where can people find you um, anyway? Yeah, obviously you can find me on LinkedIn if you search Martin Anderson at Lemon Business Solutions, or you can go to our website, which is www.no-sour-business.co.uk. Oh, brilliant. Thank you very much indeed, Martin. Thank you.